Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 John chapter 4. In the second half of this letter of 1 John, John emphasizes that God is love. It's the main theme of our text today. John has highlighted two major themes in the book. God is light is really the first half of the book, and now we're in the second half. It's God is love, and he's beating the drum again and again and again of this. We must love one another. Yesterday, I was blessed to be a part of the wedding ceremony for Chris and Angie Ludwig. It was a wonder. They're not here, but people are excited about that. Uh, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful expression of love, joyful and sincere love. It was, as Paul tells us in Ephesians, a reflection of the covenant love between Christ and his bride, the church. It was beautiful. Love is not something reserved simply and only for a man and a woman in marriage. That's what John is asserting again here, the necessity of loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in the text today, he explains what that love is like by pointing to the cross of Christ. The Father of Jesus is the God of love. Love finds its beginning and fulfillment in him, and those who know him will reflect that love, his love, to others. That's what John is, is telling us in this book and in the text today. And so go ahead and stand and follow along. I'm going to read verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. And thank You for Your love. Thank You that You loved us first. You didn't wait for us to initiate a love toward You, knowing that we never would apart from you. And we thank you and praise you for Jesus. And we pray that you'd help us as we look at this text, help us to have ears to hear from you in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. John is repeating himself again here. And we ought to admit we need it. We need the repetition. We need to be told again and again and again, love one another. This isn't the first or only place that God teaches us about love. The scriptures are full of examples and exhortations to love. That we're to be loving one another. And we need to be reminded again and again. 
In verse 7, John is giving a command, love. We ought to love one another. Let us love one another. And again, he, he begins with that word beloved. Those I care so much about, let us love one another. And in this text, he tells us that the reason we ought to love one another is because the origin of love is God. Love comes from God. Love has its beginning in God. And in this short verse, verse 7, John gives those two reasons why we as Christians should love one another. Love comes from God. It originates in Him, and so we ought to be marked by it. And secondly, love is evidence that we are born again or in Christ. We've seen this already in the letter, but if you want to know, if you want evidence of being born again, of being in Christ, then look for love. Real love, John is saying, real love that is true always has its source in God. It comes from Him. And that's not at all to say that only Christians love well. He's not saying that. Sadly, sometimes unbelievers love better in some circumstances than some Christians do. And that honestly shouldn't surprise us because all of us are created in His image. And He is love. And so every single human, even though they are sinful and lost, will give reflections on some level of the one whose image they are made in. But as Christians, who are His children, who have His Spirit, we ought to shine with love for one another, John is saying. He says, as those who do know Him, this is our mission. Love. We ought to love because it comes from Him, and we are in Him. We're connected to Him, and so how could we not display this character of love? If we are born of God, if we know God, then we will look like the one we love. And we will love. He goes on, verse 8, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. As Christians, we don't simply know about God. We know Him as Father. And so John is saying, if a person doesn't love in this way, then he must not know God. Because that's who God is. That statement, God is love, that John will repeat again in the text we look at next week, is a massive theological statement. J.I. Packer calls this statement one of the most tremendous utterances in the Bible. God is love. Just as heat and light come from the sun, radiate from the sun because that's what the sun is and gives. So love comes from God because that's what God is. God is 
love. And we don't want to confuse what John is saying here. He is not saying love is God. God is God. Holy and set apart. And as God, He is love. He's not simply loving. He is love. It is His nature to love. The reality is there is nothing in us that would cause God to love us. We're sinners. What John and the entirety of God's Word is saying is that God's love for us is motivated by who He is, not by who we are, not by anything that we have done, but by who He is. He's love. There's nothing lovely about us that would draw Him to us apart from Himself being loving. There's nothing within us that would cause a holy and perfect God to express love to us. Even after He created us, we rebelled against Him. And He continued to love us. Because that's, as John says, that's what he is. He is love. He loves because it is his nature and he desires that we know him. And we can hope and rejoice because God's love is more than mere emotion or goodwill. Love is who he is and it is his settled disposition toward those who are in Christ. You think about that. If you are in Christ, His settled disposition toward you is love. Always. And so, John is saying, as Christians, we ought to love because the one we are now connected to, the one who is our Father, is love. He goes on in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. John shows us exactly what love looks like. Love was made manifest. For something to be made manifest, it means to make it visible and known. So John's saying, you've seen You know exactly what love is. You know exactly what love looks like. You know how it was made visible to you. I'm so thankful for Kate sharing this morning. And you may may be sitting there and wonder, why would a, a young person like that go to Thailand? And the answer is right here. Because that's what we were shown that love is. That's exactly what God showed us love is. It's sending. It's being made manifest by sending to others who need love. You've seen. Love was displayed to us in a particular way, and that way should define for us what love for one another looks like. That's what John is saying here. This is the way that our love should look. This is how we've seen love displayed, and this is how we ought to love one another. God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
Love's made visible to us in this. God sent his son. That's a massive statement. God who is holy and righteous, set apart in all of his ways, sent his one and only son into the world, the world that is not holy, not righteous. John's saying we know that we know what love is. It has made it has been made visible to us. God has shown us what love is. And God did that so that we might live through him. We might have life through him. We might have hope of displaying true love for each other through him. You think about John who wrote this letter. John stood at the foot of the cross. Not only that, he went to the empty tomb. He saw Jesus physically die and he saw him physically raised from the dead. He saw love displayed. And you consider at the foot of the cross that simple text at the foot of the cross where Jesus looks at John and says, Behold your mother. And to his own mother, Behold your son. What an incredible call to love that he sees as he's looking at the ultimate display of love. That that would have been a, a big responsibility. John was called to take on Jesus' mother as his own. But John doesn't need to say in that moment, wait, what does, what does love look like? What does it look like for me to take her now as my mother? He's seeing the ultimate display of love. He knows what love looks like. Love is giving. Love is sending. Love is manifest for us in God sending His Son to us to rescue us. That God sent His Son means the full work of Christ. His incarnation, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension. That is how love was displayed for us, and that's what love looks like. God sent many messengers throughout ages, Abraham, Moses, many prophets who were sent, but he sent his son to save and to display for us love, incarnate love. And not only that, God displays his love in the hope that we can have life through him life through him. Apart from Christ, we are hopelessly lost, but God sent his son to rescue us and give us life through him and in him. Consider this act of love. We learn from Christ coming that love is self-sacrifice and that it is action. It's going and it's doing. It's laying down. It's giving. It's something done for the benefit of others. At a great cost to himself, Jesus rescued us. 
Paul says God shows his love for us and that while we, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's self-sacrificing action. And John says about that, this is how we know what love is. This is how love was shown to us and made visible to us. It was manifest to us in this very thing. He goes on in verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love began with God, not with us. That's what John's saying here, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. We could not love God apart from Him first loving us. We would not love God apart from Him loving us first. God took the initiative to love. It's one of the most wonderful and important verses in the Bible. It tells us incredible things about God's love for us. It tells us how God initiated love toward us. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And second, it tells us of the magnitude of his love, the greatness of his love, the power of his love. He sent his son, and his sending was to die. And it wasn't an ordinary death. It was the death of a Savior. He died in our place to bear the punishment for our sins. John says that he is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means to appease someone's wrath. It describes Jesus' work at the cross as a sacrifice that turns away God's holy wrath because of our sins. God's wrath is His dis disposition towards sin. Listen, whether you know Christ or you don't know Him. You need to know these things. God is just. And therefore, He must punish sin. But God is also merciful, the Bible tells us. He is willing that sinners not receive all they deserve for their sin. And God is Love, as John is writing here. His love extends to sinful people. He desires that people would be saved. But there is nothing sinners can do to earn God's forgiveness for their sins. And that's where God's grace comes into the picture. God does something for us that we could never do for ourselves. He pays the price for our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, He became our substitute and took the wrath of God for our sin upon Himself willingly and thereby satisfied God's justice by making payment for sin. He's the propitiation of our sins. There was and is nothing we could do to turn away God's righteous anger against us and our sins. So God Himself takes the initiative. 
God's love through Jesus on the cross provides the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is a wonderful truth. It's why we sing amazing grace. John Stott wrote this, It is God himself who in holy wrath needs to be propitiated. God Himself, who in holy love undertook to do the propitiation, and God Himself, who in the person of His Son died for the propitiation of our sins. Thus, God took His own loving initiative to appease His own righteous anger by bearing it, His own self, in His own Son when He took our place and died for us. This initiative is from God. And John goes on and says, and the response must be from us. What do we do in response to that kind of love that's displayed for us, that's shown to us, demonstrated for us? Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Beloved, John is writing, if this is true, and it is, if God so loved us, if he loved us in this way, then we ought to love one another. We ought to, out of gospel gratitude and connection to the very source of love, love one another. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 26, I made known to them your name. And I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus is praying and John is exhorting that we live out day after day who we are as those who are born of God, who know God and have experienced the love of God and the sacrifice of His Son. And it's important to notice as we look at the text today that John defines love for us before he exhorts us to love. When we truly understand what God has done for us and how much he loves us, then we ought to respond in love. It is Christ's propitiation. It's Christ's death that atoned for our sin that is the standard of our own love. We are to love sacrificially, John's saying. This is what love looks like, and you ought to do that to one another. In Christ, you can love people you don't agree with. You can love people you don't get along with. You can love people that you don't necessarily like. It's a wonderful thing to think of the body of Christ. Here we are together in this room, in this place, because of Christ. If we took a survey of all of the people in this room, we'd find out we have all sorts of different interests, interests that would never overlap. Interests that would bug me to death. And you, and you also. There's things that I would do that you would say, nah, you go your way, I'll go my way. Except for Christ. That in Christ, we can love one another, whether we 
would like one another or not. We, we can love. Love that is displayed through what He did for us. If God so loved us, the way that God loved us changes everything. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. God's love was made manifest among us through Christ and now because of Christ, God's love is made manifest to the watching world through our love for one another. The truth is, as John's saying, no one has seen God. And so how do people get a picture of what God is like? And the answer ought to be that they look at the body of Christ, that they look at the church. And since God cannot be seen, Christians can show Him to a watching world by loving one another. As Jesus said in John 13, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. What a gift and what an opportunity for us. When we love one another, God abides in us. He dwells in our midst. And we can see God through the lives of those who demonstrate His love to others. And so even as the body, we ought to watch and grow as you see it happen among you. John says His Love is perfected in us. He's not suggesting that there's some deficiency in the love of God. There's none. Rather, it means that it's made complete or it's brought to its intended outcome. God's love reaches its intended goal. It does what it was meant to do. John's point is that I can love others as God loves me because he lives in me and also his love will reach its intended purpose. It will do what it was meant to do which is that I will love others as he loves me. We're going to move into a time where we take the Lord's Supper in a few moments but before we do that I want you to consider some things together and reflect on God's love for us. God loved us first. He didn't wait for you to make the first move. And John is saying, this is how love was manifest for you, now do that. That's that's what he's saying in this text. So if we consider that God loved us first, and he didn't wait for you or me to make the first move, is that how you are seeking to love others? God's love continued even when it wasn't convenient. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were against him, and his love was painful. Is that how you are seeking to love? God loved those who were different than him. No human will be more different from us than we are from God. 
God loved beyond our differences. Is that who you are seeking to love? Verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. Jesus' body was broken. His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And He gives the blessing to us of remembering that. We have the blessing of remembering the truths of the gospel each and every week as we gather together. And not just that, Paul says every single time you do this, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim it. You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So we're remembering and we're proclaiming the truths of the gospel together. His love for us. And how His love was made manifest to us. And so as you hold the bread and you hold the cup and we sing about His grace together, let's remember with joy. And let's seek to love in a way that shows others what He looks like and what love really is. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your goodness and Your grace and Your love for us. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, that You have and are the propitiation for our sins. We confess to you that there is nothing we could have done to put ourselves in a place that would be acceptable to you, that would earn in any way your favor or eternal life. But you've shown your love for us and that while we were in that condition, Jesus, you died for us. You took our place. You paid for our sins. You made us your own. And so as we hold the bread and we hold the cup and as we eat the bread and we drink from the cup, Lord, help us to joyfully remember and proclaim your death until you come. We thank you and praise you for the love that you've given to us. And we ask for your help, Lord. We, we really do want to be a people who love well. We thank you for the evidences of you that are in our midst as we see that happening in the body. And we pray for more, that we would excel in this grace of love. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.